Here we go. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. As always, I'm Kyle Edwards, and my partner joining us again today is uh, Thomas Smith. We got a couple games that we're going to go over from the UT Martin, Tennessee, and St. Louis games. We, uh, we, we know that Detroit is coming up, and we'll briefly touch on them a little bit. But uh, before we get into any of the basketball, we want to wish you guys a very Merry Christmas, as this is our Christmas episode. Uh, Thomas, uh, do you have any special Christmas plans uh, this year? Um, Not really for Christmas, but uh, I will be going to the bowl game. Um, so that'll be fun. Uh, oh, that's exciting. Yeah, I, uh, I don't have the money to go there, sadly. <laughs> I wish I did though. I, I I'm sure it's gonna be a uh, a pretty good game. I'm I'm looking forward to watching it over the break. Oh yeah, I mean I'm looking forward to getting out in hopefully 80 degree weather. <laughs> yeah, we love we, we we love we love Florida. Florida Florida <laughs> <laughs> Florida is where you want to be playing at a bowl game in December. That's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. If you guys. Uh, don't already follow the two man uh, Wolfpack podcast. Uh, they they kind of go in more in detail of bowl game and you know our football team uh, schedule stuff and you know go go listen to those guys. They they know what they're doing. Uh, Bobby and Anderson are very well versed in uh, our football squad, and so if you ever are looking for some football knowledge, please go to them. They they know what they're doing. All right, so let's get into basketball uh we put so our first game we're talking about is ut martin uh we played him at home uh cruised to a 81 67 victory we had a a cut we had a another decently balanced scoring night from our starters uh dj horn led us in scoring with 22 points uh, six of ten from three uh, he seems to be our our guy that if we need a three pointer, he's going to be the guy to shoot it. Uh, we, we've kind of seen that over the course of the season. Dennis Parker Jr. kind of taking some some of the reins and getting fourteen points, ten rebounds. That's a solid outing from him. We love to see that. It's a it's a positive sign when your freshman is starting to get more comfortable and. You know, when he gets certain playing time here and there, it's it's good to see him coming into his own and developing chemistry with the team. It's it's really a really good thing to to see. Yeah, I mean, Dennis showed that I mean he can do everything. I mean, ten rebounds, hit a couple threes, had a steal. I mean, he he's looking phenomenal and you know it's good to see with whatever um Muhammad DR is dealing with the ankle injury or just you know keeps not playing him because I mean it's weird to see him play in some games and not in the others if he's got an injury you'd think he wouldn't play but I don't know you know it's but it's good to see Dennis doing his thing it's a bright spot you know it is a bright spot. And I know you and I are both still kind of scratching our heads about, you know, Diara's health or what he's kind of going through or what Keats is kind of doing with him. 
what role he's going to play. And I know you and I are both curious on that. And, you know, I've had people ask me what's that looking like. And truthfully, I, I don't have an answer. I wish I did. I it's all speculation. I feel like at this point, Oh yeah. <laughs> kind of, it's kind of unfortunate, but hopefully we're not in the dark for much longer. Um, something I want to do touch on. I know, I know Thomas, you and I have mentioned this so many times already, but you know, despite even having a double double in this game, DJ Burns still looked a little bit inefficient on the offensive end. I mean, yes, he, had, I mean, he only had 10 points, but it was on 13 shots and it just, it, there, it, this was a game where you thought, okay, this is where he's going to, you know, start really finding his rhythm, really kind of de- taking advantage of what is of his opportunities and making sure that he can, you know, become more efficient at, you know, shooting the basketball. But for some reason in this game, he just still wasn't as efficient, which is, I wouldn't say it's super concerning, but it's something to at least be looked at. He did have five blocks on the defensive end. So at least on that side of the ball, he somewhat did a little bit better as far as, you know, your, your opinion and my opinion go, but it was just interesting. It's just so interesting. What like to see him, a little bit more inefficient than he was last year. Yeah, um you would you would definitely think that, you know, with DJ's size, he would be a little more efficient compared I mean comparatively to what he did last year and some of that is just comes down to him rushing. You know, he'll catch the ball on the post and mid post. Good decent position, not not out by the three-point line or anything. And he'll take one dribble or no dribble and shoot a jumper. And that, and that comes down to that. Some of his inefficiency problems this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, defensively he was better. Um, five blocks, only two fouls. He also had four assists, which is something that I'm going to harp on when we go into talking about, uh, Virginia later in the podcast. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's weird because against UT Martin, his inefficiency wasn't great. But then in the other two games that we're going to talk talk about, that completely changed, especially in the Tennessee game, which is just weird because he didn't really have the size advantage. But who knows? He just needs to, you know, take his time, you know, use his size to his advantage instead of settling for a jumper basically mm-hmm. yeah he ne- he needs to get closer and closer to the basket because that is really where he is more of a threat and i feel like he you know at times will stop short of that and settle for maybe a baseline jumper that you know we have seen him make I'm oh not yeah saying i'm not saying he can't make it it's just as it's he's much more efficient when he gets you know uh he goes to his spin mm-hmm. and then bumps the guy underneath the basket and goes up. Or if he if he goes across the lane for like a left-handed hook or, you know, just uses that size, man. He just needs to. Yeah, I mean that that spin is some is, is a beauty to watch, honestly. I mean it is it is poetry emotion when that big man does that 
beautiful little spin and lays it in. I mean, Mm -hmm. as a fan watching that, it's it's beautiful basketball at its finest, in Oh, yeah. my opinion. Um, we did kind of have a slow start to the game. It, I've kind of seen this happen in a few of the games, and I'll talk more about it you know, later in a couple other games, but in these like quad three, quad four games that I've seen us play in, we seem to start off really, really slow. We come out, you know, kind of flat. Obviously, you know, we're not going to make every shot that we take, but at least it's going to be us being efficient on both offensive and defensive ends where, you know, at least maybe if one possession were not efficient on offensively, we can at least make up for it on the defensive end. But for some reason, it just, it's seeming like it's taking us a lot longer to kind of get into the rhythm of the game. And we just like how the cardiac pack do it, we make all of our fans, you know, scratch our heads and think, well, why aren't we winning by, you know, 25 at the at the half against this Q14? We should be beating them by a lot more early on and then keeping our foot on the gas at that point. It's Yeah, kind of interesting to see that it's, you know, are we going to have to embrace the fact that we might just be a second half team or will we have to still figure out a way to kind of get those big leads early and then, hold those big leads and keep our foot on the gas. you yeah, you, you never want to be a quote second half team because in the game of basketball things some games will not go your way. And that's any Exactly. sport, to be honest. So if we characterize ourselves as having, as a slow start team, that's just going to cause problems come ACC play. And, you know, I would love for us to be up 10, up 15 on these, these UT Martins, these uh, St. Louis, Detroit Mercy S teams. Um, but, We're not always going to get our way, but the fact that we're not getting down and then not getting down on ourselves and, you know, sulking in the fact that, oh, we're we down at half to this team, but we still came out with a 14 point win, which was more than a 14 point win because we had like we had players sit. I mean, 30 minutes for Dennis, 31 for Taylor, 30 for Horn, 26 for Casey, like. Our guys didn't play 40 minutes, you know. Right. Breon saw minutes. Ernest saw minutes. Uh, LJ saw some extended minutes. Um, so some of that, and only being a 14-point win, came from just, you know, the last three or four minutes. Right, right. And you know, we we all know that we could beat these teams by a lot more, but Keats is in certain games like this, I feel like Keats is really just trying to get some of these other bench players some playing time because he knows that they won't be around for a whole lot longer but you know at least getting them a a minute or two at the end of the game I mean even putting his son in at the end of the game it's I mean I guess he he likes to do that in certain games early just so he can get everybody some playing time throughout the season before before he really just sticks to his core rotation which I know you and I are still not 
sure what that looks like either. Well, the, well, we'll talk about it uh, for the next game, but yeah, you know, we got an addition, but also, I mean, defensively, we gave up sixty-seven points. That's good. That that is that is good. No matter what team, sixty-seven points. That's pretty good. And it is great. It is great. We held. I mean, yeah, the, there are two guys that we talked about, Sears and Cruz. Both went both went for twenty, but it took Sears, who is their conference player of the year, nineteen shots to get twenty points. Um. So yeah, I mean, I thought we did a great job on him. I know I harped on his turnovers and the fact that he has the ball a lot, three assists to four turnovers. So we really pressed him and made it difficult for him, which led to a win. Yeah, I mean, our defense is I, – I, I have no qualms with our defense. I mean, we I love, I love how we force our opponents to make poor decisions with the basketball and make them feel rushed into making those poor throws. And so forcing 13 turnovers, I mean, I think we're averaging, we're averaging 14 that we're forcing per game. So Mm -hmm. right on, right on average. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not displeased with the defensive effort at all. And like Mm -hmm. you said, 67 points is, is right where you kind of want to be as far as giving up because we are averaging about 80 a game. So giving up 67 is, it's a it's a guaranteed win at that point almost. Yeah. So that was UT Martin. And then uh that fall so then that Saturday we ended up traveling to uh San Antonio neutral site game against Tennessee, where we unfortunately lost 79-70. DJ Burns seemed a little bit more efficient this game, went six to ten, 15 points. Uh, five assists, which was wonderful. We love to see his assist numbers up. That just means that he's doing a great job of, you know, distributing the ball. You know, Tennessee will probably was probably making sure that they were guarding him at some point to make sure that he wasn't, you know, getting any easy buckets, which was giving him easy opportunities to swing the ball and find open, uh, open shot makers. Uh, DJ Horn again led us in scoring with 16 points. And four seven from three. So like again, you know, he had he had a lot of minutes in that game. He played thirty seven of the forty. Um, he's a, I I like what I see from DJ Horn. I mean, like I said before, he reminds me a lot of Jarkel Joiner. Where if we need somebody to get a bucket, DJ Horn will most likely be that guy to get us a bucket. And he is one of the smaller guys that we have on the court, but he is. But what he lacks in size, he makes up for it in in having that quote unquote dog in him, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh both the DJs played well. Um uh, Burns' five assists really showed that, you know, our guys are moving when DJ touches the ball, which is something that another thing I'll t- talk about later when we're talking about Virginia. But um yeah, I mean DJ Horn, he Really kind of, I would say, started off the year struggling from the three-point line, um, but he's really coming to his own. You know, he's been a career about 40% three-point shooter, so this hot streak, I guess you can call it, of three-point shooting is something that, you know, he's 
capable of. Um, mm -hmm. And I think he'll continue to have this sort of success from the three-point line. Um, this was the debut of Cam Woods. Um, you know, we didn't expect him to play uh, at all this season. And, you know, 18 minutes. Some of that came because of, uh, you know, Dennis was in foul trouble. Uh, Jaden Taylor's in a little bit of foul trouble. Um, and he looked good. I mean, yeah, only two of five, but two of two from three, got to the line. He showed that he could rebound the ball. He showed toughness on the defensive end. I mean, a lot to like from the from the guard. Yeah, I mean, Cam Woods, you know, he can actually shoot the ball pretty well. He's got a kind of a quirky, funky-looking jump shot. but He does, but, I mean, hey, that thing goes if in. If it goes in, matters, I, ain't, right? I ain't complaining. If it goes in, I am not complaining. It was uh, it was good to see him on the floor, get get some solid minutes. He actually got more minutes than MJ Rice did. Um, but it was nice. It was nice. I'm glad to I'm glad to see Cam Woods out there. And he would I think he did provide a little bit of a spark for us when we kind of seemed like the game was getting away from us a little bit. He kind of kept us in it a little bit. Unfortunately, we couldn't get back to the point where we were able to come out victorious, but he helped us in the sense that the deficit wasn't going to be as bad as it could have been. And I think he provided that spark that we needed and him and Middlebrooks truthfully, they are two people that I think provide a massive increase in production for our, our team. I mean, Middlebrooks isn't lighting up the, you know, the statue with like how many points he scores per game. But in this game, he had three blocks, a steal an assist, a couple of rebounds and all in eight minutes. Well, so and, and another thing, another thing about Middlebrooks is that um, on the offensive glass, especially he does a great job at, even if he can't secure a rebound, he looks to tip it out. Um, right. And I think, these don't these don't count towards his offensive rebounds. But I think two or three times during the game, I remember him having a, a long rebound where you know he can't get his both hands on it, but he can get one hand on it and knock it back to somebody out at the three point line, which led to another possession. And I mean, his just energy off the bench is is a good thing to see because he's he, he's more versatile on the defensive end, um, and I think we're going to need that in some of the upcoming games. Yeah, especially when we come to ACC play. Yeah, him getting all those offensive rebounds and the way he, you know, positions himself and tips it back out or tips it to himself to try to grab it, it reminds me a lot of watching old highlights of uh, this is going to be a stretch for some people, but, you know, hang on here. But he kind of looks like Dennis Rodman just being able to get so many clutch offensive rebounds, putbacks, in big games that we've had this year. I mean, it's a, it's pretty impressive to see him, you know, attack both glasses, but especially that offensive glass, because that is where we can actually thrive throughout the rest of the season on those second and third chance opportunities. And, you know, th this also might be a little bit of a wild take, but I mean, him seeing the floor more, I feel like would be beneficial to the team and, and to DJ in its own, because, limiting the big the big man's time on the floor a little bit would help him 
be able to, it would help his efficiency because he wouldn't be as tired. And, you know, last year, DJ was on the bench. He came off the bench. I'm not saying he should go to the bench, but I'm saying that if we played about, if if DJ played about 25 minutes and Ben played about 15 minutes, I think that's a good balance to where we're getting the most out of DJ Burns and we're getting, you know, energy and hustle from Ben that just completely benefits our team. I mean, yeah, Dusan, right. yeah, Dusan before his injury started and played right. most of our right. center minutes I mean, last year. Um, look, we love hot takes on this podcast. We love it. And, you know, people are, might be questioning us, but we're always going to love a hot take. We love it. I think our offense, I, see, the thing is, is even in the Tennessee game, we really didn't shoot horribly. I think no. we actually shot really well, but I definitely saw at times we just got, we went back to that old offense where we get a little bit complacent. We don't move without the ball as much and we don't move around on offense. We don't pass it around as much. We kind of do a little one-on-one isolation NBA ball then we kind of force up shots at the last second. And then when we don't make them, we don't get the offensive rebound. And then Tennessee was able to just beat us either in transition or they were able to, you know, slow down the game a little bit and make us, you know, play another long defensive possession and then somehow get a bucket, which kind of deflated us in a oh sense. Oh, God, dude. They had, they had. I don't know, five or six possessions that, you know, we defended well for 25, 26 seconds. Oh, yeah. And they huck up a three by Ziegler. Oh, my God. Oh, Ziegler. <laughs> He's like our worst nightmare for from here on until the end of time. I mean, if you told me that at the beginning of the game that Dalton Connect had – two points on one of seven shooting, I would tell you we won by 15. Mm-hmm. Like, we did a fantastic job on him, but, I mean, Ziegler out of nowhere just went crazy on us. Right. And, and he, I mean, even... Well, Jay, even, he was kind of the guy that stepped up for him and allowed Ziegler to kind of freely shoot as well. Yeah, I mean... And... I was, I mean, the beginning of the game, when Ziegler would put up a three and hit it, I'd be like, okay, he's not going to keep doing that. Oh, he's not going to keep doing that. Because, I mean, he's a guy shooting, before that game, was shooting like 19% from three. Like, you have to live with that. And, yeah, I know basically anybody at this level of basketball can shoot. Um, But some of them you just have to live with. Um, And he also killed us off the bounce too i mean he was getting free you know free drives to the rim dishing out the open shooters mainly josiah jordan james um or just dump offs to um Mayshack or uh you know uh, uh i do um so yeah i mean some of that we we need to clean up uh because we're going to see a lot of guards like him um, in ACC play, whether it's, you know, uh, Nigel Pack at uh, Miami, R.J. Davis, UNC, um, Boopy Miller, Wake. I mean, there's tons of good guards in the ACC that we're going to have to 
stay in front of. Yeah, and that's that that was a good test for us to kind of say, okay, well, we limited one guy here, you know, the their go-to guy, but you know, we also have to take into account that, you know, these are good college level basketball players that D1 basketball players. They are nobody is out for the count. You know, anybody can step up and deliver. And so that was, you know, that was a good test for us. And I'm not saying this is a horrible loss by any means. I mean, losing oh, to a good not. Q1 team, losing by less than 10 to a good Q1 team. And the game well, was closer. Than, the game was also closer than the final score said. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, free throws and all that at the end of games, you know. It's, yeah, I mean, that 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 plays a part in it, too. I mean, we definitely... I think the big, big issue in that game was that we we kind of... It felt like we kind of got manhandled on the glass. I mean, we got out rebounded on the on the offensive end 15 to 8. So giving up 15 offensive rebounds for them to have second and third chance points really deflated our momentum and we got out rebounded in total 40 to 31. So it's in a sense it wasn't it didn't help our cause that we got out rebounded by that many and that kind of deflated our defense a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, they had 11 more shot opportunities. I mean, they shot the same, literally this almost the exact same from the field and from the three point line. But when you get 11 more opportunities, like that's one big difference in the game. And I mean, another big difference is, I mean, we shot, we did shoot more free throws than them. Um, but at a lower clip, only 72%, you leave in points on the board, which means that it just, when, when you miss a free throw or miss a couple free throws in a row, you leave some points on the board that allows for change in momentum. You know, you get up There's the difference between being up by five and up by three. That's a, that's a huge, it's a huge swing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's something that we need to definitely improve on um but one thing you know dj burns got to the line four times which is a rarity um which shows that you know what we were talking about earlier is he is using his body instead of settling for jumpers you know uh that's something that going forward we need to look for because i feel like his efficiency numbers are linked with um his ability to get to the line as well. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, he is, he's really not that bad of a free throw shooter, but the problem is he really doesn't go to the line that much. So no. if we can keep him attacking the basket, it's going to work in our favor, you know, because we'll have more opportunities to capitalize at the free throw line. It also we're, keeps, we're it really also keeps, a, um, it also keeps, you know, uh, bigs out of the game, you know. I, I do only played what uh, he only played 26 minutes. Um, he only had zero, he didn't have any fouls. Um, most of the fouls came from the guy off the bench, Awaka. Um, mm-hmm. but still, if we're able to get, say, uh, when we play Carolina, uh, get Baycott in foul trouble, get uh, Norchad O'Meara in foul trouble against Miami, get uh, who else? Uh, Filipowski 
in foul trouble against Duke. Like that that benefits us in the whole grand scheme of a game. Uh, right. And kind of going along with your point earlier, it's like maybe we should start DJ on the bench to prevent him from getting some silly ticky-tack fouls early on in the game, which well, is kind of I'm not saying move him to the bench to start. I'm saying limiting his minutes. Like instead of playing 30 plus, let's go 25 to 27 minutes or uh, and, and that that will help him on both ends of the floor, it will limit the, the ticky tack defensive fouls um, that he sometimes can pick up if he's tired. Mm-hmm. Um, God bless him, but he does look tired a lot because of how many minutes he is playing. And I think it would be smarter for Keats to limit that, at least as we're getting into ACC play and utilize more of Middlebrooks. And hopefully if DR comes back, I mean, we'll, we, I mean, hopefully he's, healthy enough to be put out onto the floor. We just really don't know at this point. Yep. I guess one more, one more thing I'll mention. Um, along with something that I talked about as far as our offensive efficiency is that Tennessee, Tennessee is a good uh, passing team and they finished the game with 22 assists and the pack only finished with 13 granted. I, from my research, I think we're averaging about 14 a game. So it's kind of right on pace with the amount of assists we average, but I just don't think it's sometimes enough. Like I feel like we need to be a little bit more efficient on offense as far as passing, because we do get that little complacency where we do that one-on-one dribbling, throw up a shot and kind of pray it goes in without hardly moving the basketball once or twice around the perimeter. And it seems like we just, obviously I, our offense, we run a lot of screens for the ball handler, but how come we can't set a screen for somebody off ball to get maybe a better pass off or there's certain ticky tack things or, maybe strategical tactical things that I'm maybe looking at too deeply, but I feel like I see a lot of our offense just kind of stand around and watch the ball handler do kind of his thing, just like we did last year with like Turquavion and Jarkel. And it's like, that can work to an extent sometimes, but sometimes it feels like we're overusing it and it kind of, it kind of, can become a problem for us as we get into ACC play. Yeah, and some of that comes from uh, we didn't get out in transition as much. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are where we get our easy opportunities for assists. But, I mean, they did Tennessee did end up outscoring us on points off turnovers um, and transition points. Um, But one thing that I noticed is that it was we didn't really emphasize movement when DJ caught the ball in the post, um, which changed in the St. Louis game. It was every time DJ caught the ball, there was some type of action on the backside, whether it was uh the pat whoever passed DJ the ball going to set a back screen uh for whoever's at the top of the key to come off or come off a screen to cut to the basket, or whether it was 
um, a guy on the opposite wing cutting to the basket. I, I feel like Keats did make a change, somewhat of a change, which is surprising um, in between the break from the Tennessee to the St. Louis game. Um, and that needs to continue. So if you're looking for whether or not we are doing anything on offense, just when DJ gets the ball, look at everybody else but DJ. If they're moving, we're doing something right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I'm not too upset about that loss. Um, you know, you would love to win it. We need to win some games like this where we can get the quad one win, quad two wins. Um, if we have any hope of getting in to the tournament, we have to win some one of them, at least one of them. At least one of them, yeah. But obviously not not a horrible loss by any means. We're, we'll, yeah. we'll take it and we'll move on. We'll learn our lesson and we'll move on. Absolutely. All right, so now we're going to talk about briefly kind of go over Saint the St. Louis game that just happened the other day. Another another slow start, just kind of like the the UT Martin game. Kind of let them hang in there actually down 3 at the half, but we found our rhythm, I think that part probably had something to do with maybe Keats chewing them out at halftime. I'm not sure really what he said to the guys, but I'm sure it was well-deserved, and we ended up being able to kind of coast to a victory, 82-70. to 70. Um, Casey Morsell definitely had definitely improved from the last couple games that he had played. He Our leading scorer at 21 points, very efficient shooting, really shot the ball well pretty much everywhere, was very – active on the defense, you know, had a steal, had a couple of assists. You know, he was all over the floor. And so we'd love to see that from Casey kind of coming into his own. Hopefully he takes this and rides that momentum all the way through ACC play as we get into March. And that was really great to see him coming in, as I said, coming into his own. We had DJ Horn at 18 points. Efficient shooting night for him as well. They they both sparked that second half run that essentially put it out of reach for St. Louis to come back and uh, come back against us. We still sold the spread. <laughs> sold <laughs> the spread for all of our betting people out there. That that last second dunk. I know people that may or may not have bet on us were furious at, at us selling the spread may have may or may not have been me um but <laughs> let's not talk about that um you know we looked like a dominant team in the second half um we struggled at the friggin' free throw line oh my goodness but oh. Oh, don't even get 50%. And we allowed them to go to the line 29 times. You need to stop fouling. Um, you can't let let teams, I mean, let teams get easy points on the line. I mean, they made one three, but stayed in the game for most of it because they were able to get to the line and shoot 
I mean, 80, near 80% from the line. Um, I mean, that's the difference of 12 points right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, DJ's got to stop. Both the DJs need to stop fouling. Um, but, you know, some of DJ Burns being in foul trouble let us see some more of that potential that we were talking about with Ben Middlebrooks. Mm -hmm. um, had a solid night, nine points, four rebounds, two steals. Um, yeah, I mean, he had, th he had his first three career three, which some of the things I've been talking about um, earlier this year with him. Um, and yeah, I mean, he looked good and which is why I'm saying that he, I, I like this, you know, 25 to 27 minute range for DJ seems like a good sweet spot where Ben's playing 13 to 15. Um, and you know, I would wish we could factor some Muhammad Yara in there cause he is our best rebounder, but for whatever reason, the rotation is just not ironed out yet which some of that comes from uh the new edition of cam woods but he only played four minutes so i really don't know what keats is gonna do you would think with the amount of talent we have and the you know keats has been harping on he needs nine ten guys for his system to be effective you'd think he would play them but you know, MJ Rice only playing two minutes. Cam Woods four, but Modi R three. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean it, it's it 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 really doesn't, and it'll just be interesting to see how Keats will use whatever rotation he decides decides is well fit and moves it into twenty twenty four. Well, that's the thing, and you know, usually. in ACC play lineups become shorter. You know, you go, you go from a 10 to 11 man rotation down to eight to nine during conference play. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, you would, I would love to see MJ get extended minutes, but Keith seems to like um, Dennis Parker more, but um, which is not a bad thing. I mean, Dennis has shown to be, A willing defender, a willing scorer, willing rebounder, do, doing it all. But I just worry um, about, you know, MJ transferring, Mo transferring again. It's just like you got to keep these guys somehow and not playing them isn't going to help their mental. Right. I mean, MJ only playing two minutes. It's just like, it, it, it's, it stinks. It really stinks to kind of see that, you know, this guy coming in, we, everybody getting on the hype train. And then, you know, next thing you know, Keats is barely like, they'll play him 15 minutes, one game, then he'll play him two minutes, one game. It's, it's all over the place. And how are We these just guys really supposed don't to get know. into a rhythm if they don't have a, you know, decent understanding of what their role is? I don't know. Right, and I only think maybe a couple people know what their role is, and then the rest of them are just still trying to figure it out, and we're already 11 games in. Yeah. But, uh, and, and, you know, some of that is, you know, is MJ not playing until what the eighth game of the year? Right, And what's right. coming in at the 10th game. Um, so it, it's not ideal, but you would love to have this figured out 
sooner. Um, and that is a good transition into Notre Dame, I guess, because as they are a conference opponent, they are a must-win game for us. Yeah, they yeah. I mean, yeah, we can definitely go into them right now. I mean, they're going to be – they're most likely going to be a a quad four game. They're currently 266th in the net rankings um, at four and seven on the year. I uh, was looking at their team. They don't run much more than a eight-man rotation right now. So we – we have the advantage as far as bench depth. So we can definitely use that against them to keep our guys more fresh, have fresher legs and take care of business. Um, for those that probably saw this or didn't see this just read just a couple of days ago, the, the fighting Irish suffered a 20 point loss at home to the Citadel. And I don't know about you, but that is uh, it's a little embarrassing, I would say. And Tom, I know you and I saw a video of uh, the head coach, Micah Shrewsbury, go in on his team and basically laid out flat that they're not in the right headspace and they don't look like they're ready to play. Yeah, I mean, Shrewsbury is a quality coach, and I think he'll have the Notre Dame back to um, a, com- a competent team within a year or two. Um, they just don't have, have the talent yet, and, you know, that'll that'll iron itself out with the transfer portal and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that video, I mean, he's, he's not calling – not only calling out his players, he is calling out his son. His own son saying that they're basically playing like crap, <laughs> which they are. I mean, a 20-point loss to the Citadel. I mean, fans were calling for Keats's head after the first game, you know, where we only beat them by 13. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, yeah, I mean, it is a must-win game, and it, it, it's going to help us, uh, you know, build some momentum going into tougher ACC uh, draws or tougher ACC game, ACC game. Right. So, um, yeah. I mean, it'll help Keats iron out that rotation. Hopefully. It, it, I hope so. I mean, it, this is a low ACC ranked opponent in Notre Dame. So getting that must win game out of the way to start out ACC play is huge. We've already gotten that ACC win against Boston college on the road. We're going to have to, kind of find that grit that we had at Boston college and do the same at, at Notre Dame to on, uh, on in January. And ACC row games are never easy. Uh, I don't want anyone to think that this should be a blowout win, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough and a nine o'clock tip. That's, that's also tough. That's another thing that we need to talk that needs to be talked about. I mean, it's difficult for teams to get going, especially on the road uh, at nine o'clock. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hopefully our guys are prepared. I'm sure they will be. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, not, we couldn't ask for a better ACC road game coming off of a, you know, a little bit of a break because we'll have what, uh, well, or eleven days off in between games. Right. Yeah, we have we have the we have Detroit Mercy on the twenty on the twenty third. Yeah, and and Keats will you give know, the kinda... give the guys time to go see their families and whatnot. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before I getting back to practice after good. Christmas. Um, but yeah, I mean they'll they'll have a little bit of a break in there, so the guys will definitely need to be prepared because even if it is a ranked two hundred plus net team and it's a quad four game, it is a must win, and it helps us, you know, in the conference standing. So yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll have to watch out for, uh, their, their, uh, their five eleven freshman guard, Marcus Burton. He's their leading scorer right now at 15 and a half a game. He's their assist leader at three, three and a half assists a game. And he's, you know, him and, uh, him and Julian Roper are tied for first in steals per game at 1.4. So, they he this guy is just from you know seeing highlights he 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 pretty much is the heart and soul of their squad i mean he's he's not a big three point shooter he's he he does shoot about 40% from the field but he does love driving to the basket i mean just watching highlights of him he is not going to he's really not going to settle for threes i mean at most settle for a mid-range jumper yeah but, he likes the you know, he likes he's the very much on um, the ball yeah he will pull up for mid-range but he loves getting to the basket he you know he he also can shoot free throws i mean he's 82 percent on the year so limiting the amount of times he can get to the basket and the amount of times that he can shoot free throws that will be a big part in us being successful in this game. And I expect Jaden Taylor to probably be on him for the majority of the game, preventing him from driving. Since Jaden Taylor does have that length on him, he'll be able to stop Burton from kind of doing what he wants and maybe settling for contested jump shots that he wouldn't want to take necessarily. Yeah. Burton, Burton, uh, he's one of those guards that, you know, undersized a little bit undersized, but he really knows how to, uh, create space and create angles to get off his floaters as mid range. Um, I watched their game against uh, Georgetown, um, and when they went to overtime, lost the lost that home to Georgetown, and he didn't really have the greatest game. Six of twenty, only he had seventeen points. He led them in scoring, but six twenty shots to get seventeen points is not good. Um, and I mean he he is still a freshman. Um, so he takes some really contested jumpers and can get in his head a little bit, but yeah, his, his ability to his main thing, especially when getting to the line, isn't like getting all the way to the basket. It is getting the defender on his back um, and then pulling up for a, uh, you know, eight to 10 foot jumper or like pump faking, getting a defender up in the air and drawing a foul. Um, so yeah, we really got to stay on our feet. He's not the tallest, so he's not gonna, you know, be able to shoot over our, uh, some of our guys, you know, with the length and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, he really is 
their heart and soul. Like you said. He really is. Yeah. So we need to make sure that we don't leave our feet when we're contesting shots or just stay on the ground, make sure that we're not falling for fakes. There'll be, it's a big emphasis right there. Um, another guy we got to watch out kind of not really watch out for, but another one of their key players is a uh, JR uh, Konezny. Yep. It's a funky little spelling. So if you see it on the stat sheet, be prepared to be like, what the beep is that? Um, he's not a really strong three point shooter either. Um, but you know, that's not to say that he can't make some just, you know, kind of how we were talking about Ziegler is like, obviously he's not a strong three point shooter, but that doesn't mean you count him out as not making any. So he can definitely, he won't be settling for jump shots. I I think he'll be kind of like Burton where he'll just want to more drive to the basket and attack, and attack the rim. He's also a guy that we cannot put on the free throw line either, you know, so they've he shoots 86 percent from the free throw line so the farther away from the basket we can keep him the better it will be for us um casey morcel could probably be matched up against him for most of the game since you know casey's just really quick if we can get mj rice a few more minutes size wise he would be a great matchup against this guy because mj could prevent him from driving to the basket and potentially getting some of our big guys in foul trouble. Hopefully MJ gets some playing time. We'll see how that works, but he's definitely a guy that we cannot put on the free throw line. I mean, they've got they even from last year, I do remember Notre Dame stayed in the game with us because they can shoot free throws. And that is going to be a big emphasis in this game because they are still a good free throw shooting team. Yeah, um, Kuznesny uh, against Citadel at 18. Um, yeah, he really, like you said, isn't – I mean, he, he is a willing three-point shooter. Um, he hasn't shot the ball well, but, you know, we can't discount anybody at this level. Um, guys who are, are putting up attempts have the green light from their coach, so they are good shooters. Mm-hmm. regardless of percentage. Um, and then we can go into talking, you already mentioned uh, Roper. Um, mm-hmm. Percentage-wise, they're best three-point shooter. So we just need to, you know, get in his airspace, limit his ability to have open catch-and-shoot uh, jumpers. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think DJ Horn will be on him, actually, most of the night. Uh, he's not really looking to, you know, slash get to the basket as much as the other two that you mentioned. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be a good matchup for him. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. They don't really have uh, great bigs down low. Um, uh, who is their Matt Zona. He played a little bit last year for them. Uh, Davis. Uh, uh, Tay Davis, 6'9". Mm-hmm. Uh, he's their leading sophomore. Yeah, he's their leading rebounder, but he's only 208 pounds. You know, DJ should take advantage of this. Mm-hmm. Um, we should be looking to get DJ the ball early, and he should attack. Um, I think establishing him will be big. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
they, at, uh, especially against Georgetown, because I watched most of that game, they struggled to rebound the ball. Um, Georgetown out rebounded them only by three, but it, uh, most of that came in in overtime. Uh, you know, early in the game when Georgetown was really kind of pulling away from them, um, it seemed like uh, Georgetown's size was really a big factor, you know. So hopefully DJ can establish himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need that for sure. I think a big, another big key besides, you know, the rebounding aspect of the game is to force as many turnovers as we can on that defensive side. You know, I've already been pleased with the amount of turnovers we've forced on the defensive side, but I think ACC play, you know, we can do that well against these, you know, Q3, Q4 teams, but as far as an AC, ACC team, we need to demonstrate that we can prevent them from doing what they want to do and forcing them to make bad decisions. It could help us get that big lead that we want early on in the game and hopefully prevent us from starting slow like we have been against these other teams like St. Louis and UT Martin and those teams like that. But I think that really will depend on how effectively we communicate on the defensive end and switching and sliding over and help playing help defense and not letting them get easy baskets and wide open shots from, you know, Burton and Kuznesny and even Roper. I mean, we need to make sure that even Shrewsbury. Yeah. And yeah. And Shrewsbury, we need to make sure that these guys do not get easy buckets and they have to work for their buckets because one miscommunication will allow Burton to slide right through the defense and get an easy layup, which I've seen him do in a few games. So it's that is, I think, going to be the main focus in making sure that we communicate effectively on defense and then on the offensive end, moving the ball effectively, making sure that, you know, we're working through either D, whether it's DJ or working through somebody else always keeping our eyes up, moving without the ball, setting off-ball picks, on-ball picks, you know, tiring Notre Dame out because they don't play a big rotation. Tiring them out early will help us, in my opinion, will help us solidify a a big W. Uh, Another thing is um, they play Virginia on the 30th. uh, So we'll have a little bit of a barometer that will be a good well. kind of see for sure, just to see what we're kind of standing up against. But but uh, they will also have a belt, a game under their belt coming out of the you know a little bit of a Christmas break here. So another thing, we really have to be ready for this game. Like we can't overlook this game. You know, in football, they called they would call this a trap game for us. Mm-hmm. Um, playing a Notre Dame team, you know not ranked highly at all. One of the worst teams in the conference, technically the lowest ranked team in the conference or even lower than Louisville. They, they're four and seven Louisville's five and seven. Um, and then going like looking overlooking them and, and looking towards the Virginia game, which is a much bigger game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's must win. You mentioned it earlier, mentioned it again. These games matter. 
If games matter, come March, baby. Do you want to get into Virginia, Tom? Yeah, yeah. Um, ooh, you know, it's potentially a quad one game for us. They're just outside the top 30. Top 30 for home games is considered quad one. They're at 33. They could easily jump up into that uh, top 30. So it'd be good for us if we can get catch a win. But uh, it'll be tough. You know, UVA always known for their defense. This year, inside the top 10 in uh, defensive efficiency. Um, you know, Coach Tony Bennett, you know, uses the pack line defense. You'll hear them talk about that in the broadcast all day long. Um, it's basically just anybody not guarding the ball will be inside 16 feet from the basket trying to limit the amount of shots inside the paint. Um, that's the basics of what it is. Um, but Keats has won three out of the last five, which is somewhat surprising given that sometimes their offense can be basic, but it also in this game can play to our advantage because the way you beat it is you have to beat the first guy off the dribble. Um, so if our guards are able to beat their guy off the dribble and get to the rim not not looking or looking to score, but also looking to create. Um, we should get a decent amount of open shots, uh, open threes, which we're gonna have to knock down. Um, and another, I mean, another thing that the pack line does is anytime the ball hits the post, they double it immediately on the catch. Like, mm-hmm. um, so DJ, this is what I was talking about earlier, um, with his assist numbers he he's not most likely not going to be able as effective scoring the ball because he's not going to get the opportunity he's going to get double teamed but our guys are going to have to move um they're they're going to have to move they're going to take open shots um and i know last year uh tony bennett uh kind of adjusted to what he did with the doubling and he only doubled from (laughs) Craig Gant's man, whoever was <laughs> guarding Greg Gant, because Greg Gant couldn't shoot a lick. Um, but could not shoot this year, this year. We don't have that problem where every single guy on the court can is a willing and capable shooter. So I think that'll play someone to our advantage. Um, but offensively for Virginia, man, they they struggle to score the freaking ball. Um. You know, they don't have the guys, the the London Parentheses, the Malcolm Brogdons, the Kyle guys, the um, Ty Jerome's this year. Um, I mean, Reese Beekman, yeah, he's a ACC Defensive Player of the Year from last year and all-ACC third-team guy, but uh, he, he is definitely their best player, but he's not the offensive threat. Um, so... I mean, dude, first to 65, I think, wins this game, which is <laughs> crazy to think. Might. It really might. Um, but, yeah, just for, for Beekman, he he is a capable shooter, but really what we need to do with him is uh, limiting his ability to get to the rim, get to the free throw line, um, and create for others. I mean, he's averaging five and a half assists. Um, so yeah, just just limiting his ability to drive straight line drives to the basket. Uh, 
Um, then we can go on to talk about Isaac McNeely. He's a 6'4 guard, averaging about 12, shooting 50% from three on six attempts a game. So, I mean, their main source of offense is this uh, circle, like, motion, basically, where they run they run this dude around screens like crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically just making it difficult him for him on the catch. And I think the quickness of our guards will be able to keep up with him. Um, he also, um, likes to utilize his pump fake, get people up in the air and then, you know, jump into him to get to the line. Um, but neither of these two guys that I've already mentioned are my key guy that I'm worried about, which is somewhat wild because, I mean, they're the two leading scorers, but Jacob Groves is the guy that. I am worried about six, nine transfer from Oklahoma. He's only averaging eight points a game, 42% and three, but he's their quote. He's their center. So he's their guy that DJ Burns is going to be matched up with. And I don't want him to be guarding him because DJ just, (laughs) he's just so slow on the perimeter. But, and if we allow Groves to just get catch and shoot rhythm jumpers, he's going to kill us. Um, so I hope Keats has some type of, I don't know, some type of different way to to cover, you know, screen and roll, screen and pop, pick and pops, or or playing Middlebrooks like we were talking about earlier, playing him more minutes. Please, um, keep, please play Benny Boy. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. He. He, and he's not Groves is not just a three point shooter. He he is definitely capable of, you know, putting up a shot fake and getting to the rim, and and that it just doesn't benefit DJ in the best way defensively. Um, well, offensively, like I said, I think DJ should be able to take advantage of what they do. Um, so I I don't want him to not be on the court, but also it's just not the greatest matchup. I guess. No, we just we really just need him for the offense to kind of draw more attention and then that way he can kick out to our shooters, essentially. Ah, and um last player I wanted to mention, which was one of the more surprising things. Um Ryan Dunn is somehow he's a six eight wing averaging about uh I think nine points a game. So they only have two guys averaging double figures, but He's popping up on first round mock drafts in the NBA. And it's for his defensive versatility. Um he is really active um on the defensive end, on the offensive glass, you know, getting blocked steals. Uh so yeah, I mean, basically what we need to do with him, he's not really looking to shoot any threes. Um he has made a couple this year, but it's nothing that we need to really worry about. Um, yeah, just, you know, limit his ability to get to the basket and limit the amount of second chances he gets. Uh, you know, keep him off the free throw line, stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, the way that they play, they they really slow the game down. You know, they... They won a game against Northeastern, 54 to 53. 
and that doesn't play into how we want to. Um, so yeah, I mean, speeding the game up, we're gonna need it, and I and I think I think we'll be able to because it'll be our first, it'll be our ACC home opener. Students will start to be coming back on campus, so I think we'll have PNC. PNC will be rocking a little bit, you know. We'll need we'll need PNC to rock, you know. We need to rattle Virginia a little bit, you know. They're need to need to speed up that tempo, like you said, and make sure that we're we're everybody there is disrupting Virginia in the best way that they possibly can. I mean, I'm even looking at Ryan Dunn's stats right now. I mean, two steals a game and three blocks a game. Yeah, I mean that that is solid. That is solid, and you know that is a defensive threat. And we need to, in a sense, not telegraph passes, you know, make make solid, solid decisions on offense, constantly move, make make them worn out. And then that way we speed up the tempo essentially and we can a lot of his of- a lot of his steals come off of pick and rolls as well. Um mm-hmm. they do a really good job of what what is called hedging. Um, right. and, uh, a lot of pack fans will be calling for fouls, um, on this dude when on off the pick and rolls, um, yeah. but they most likely are not going to call them as fouls, even though they might look like them. Um, it's just, they're, they're really physical on trying to disrupt pick and rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's active, like I said, uh, he's athletic really long and i mean that's why he's popping up on on nba mock drafts Mm -hmm. yeah because he's a very versatile player that can pretty much do everything yeah if you're if he's able to develop if he's able to develop any type of three-point jump shot which is what they do in the nba when you're you're able to solely focus on basketball stuff like that can come um but yeah i mean keys to the game Make it hard for offensively for them. The past two games, they haven't made it to 60 points. Just make it hard. Do not allow them to have easy drives to the basket or easy open looks from three, especially uh, three-point line McNeely and Jacob Groves. Um, and probably my biggest thing about our keys to winning is getting up early, which is something we haven't done. But... Virginia wants to slow the tempo down. If they cannot slow the tempo down and come back in a game, a 10-point deficit for them is like 20 to us. Um, And, you know, if we're able to speed them up and make them play faster, it will allow us to get more points in transition and get easy buckets before they can set up their top 10 defense, you know? Yeah, we need to get them out of their comfort zone, and we need all the support we can from the Rock and PNC once once we get back from break to really disrupt these guys and make them feel like they do not belong to play in PNC against us. We need to get after it early and quickly, and the defense will needs to find a way to step up as they've been doing pretty much every game from this point. Yeah, I mean, the past two times that they came uh, to PNC, we won 27 to, 
or it's not 27. We won 77 to 63. And then we lost in overtime uh, 64 to 57. Um, but that was our, that was the COVID year, I believe. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, and I mean, they had, man, they had a squad. Sam Hauser, NBA player. Uh, Reese Beekman, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Trey Murphy the third NBA player. Casey Morstel. Casey Morsell. Oh, Casey. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, they had a really good team that year. So that isn't indicative. I think it. I think it'll be really tough. I think we can make it really tough for them. Um, at PNC. Hopefully. Well, we're looking forward to these these next come upcoming ACC games. We're we're ready. We're ready. I know Tom, you and I have been talking about ACC play and being ready for March. And you know, once we get into January, it's it's go 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 from here on out. Oh, yeah. We'll Well, see. guys, uh, thank you again for listening to another episode of. the Howlin' Hoops podcast. Tom, do you have anything else you want to say before we head out of here? Uh, no, not really. Just want to wish everybody, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, um, Happy New Year, stuff Yes, like that. we won't see you guys until the new year, so happy new year and Merry Christmas to everybody. We hope you guys have a great holiday weekend and go pack. Okay.